0: Hello, everyone. Uh, If you're of a certain age, a Gen X age uh, in particular, like myself, Pete and Roger, uh, video games have been a staple of your childhood, your formal adolescence years, uh, probably even into your college years and into uh, adulthood. Uh, We've grown up with gaming and games have evolved uh, well beyond Atari, Coleco, Nintendo, Uh, Sega Genesis, PlayStation, and Xbox. In a previous life, I worked for an advertising agency in Manhattan called McCann Erickson, and we actually launched the Xbox. I was one of probably a dozen people that knew what Xbox was in around 2001, and uh, no one heard of it. It was an upstart with Peyton Manning as the face of the football franchise and a little game called Halo, which I kind of described at the time as Metroid on steroids, but even cooler than that. Uh, One thing we did here growing up is that video games will never get you anywhere. You can't make a living playing video games. Uh, It's not productive. Well, we're here today with a gentleman called Will Hershey, who is at the forefront of uh, investing and uh, thinking about video games in a very uh, different way than we did when we grew up. So sit back, um, buckle in your seatbelt and uh, grab your paddle. It's $5 Buzz.
1: All right, guys uh welcome to this edition of five dollar buzz per usual we've got roger michael mayer coming to us from the world famous brewery artist loft in downtown los angeles roger how are you well we're actually on the east side over here uh, <coughs> downtown,
2: you know just south of uh roger stadium east of chinatown I like to call it it's called lincoln heights nice. actually but you know oh, okay close cool.
1: Enough. We're close enough downtown Doing excellent great. man excellent um roger uh, are you a gamer would you call yourself a gamer
2: well you know i you know the kids all do say i'm always sitting around playing games but you know i play a lot of pogo you ever heard of pogo.com <laughs> you get out of there you know, play the space game you know sometimes i just sit around but you know i you know I, I like my occasional call of duty go ahead
1: awesome um and then of course also as you uh, just heard his uh excellent uh Cold open there. We have our man in Connecticut, George Kursar. How are you? I'm doing well, Pete. Thanks. Uh, George, are you wrestling? at the clamshell right now? I'm not at the clamshell yet. <laughs> I could be there,
0: but uh, as of yet, it's Tuesday, but uh, it's lunchtime, so you never know okay, what's cool. going to happen. George, what is? Uh, are you a gamer? Uh, I'm not a gamer, really. Uh, as I mentioned at cold open, I was a pretty big Nintendo guy back as most people my age are i'm 44 so i think i was right in the sweet spot of uh you know 1987 i think super nintendo i mean regular nintendo nes launched so uh i'm not a gamer however my two daughters have a as you know i have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and they've started uh to play this game called roadblocks, Roblox. If uh, you haven't been familiar with it or you don't have kids, I really believe it's the way that uh, adolescents and teenagers are gonna communicate with each other the same way that, you know, Roger had his beeper. I had my coin operated phone and Pete, <laughs> you were using the landline, you know, you can talk to one person at a time, but now it's very collaborative. It's very imaginative. And uh, again, you know, contemporary, uh, society will say too much screen time is a bad thing i'm kind of seeing it well i agree with that to a certain extent and i think there's some validity to it just seeing the way that these young girls and boys uh, collaborate with each other and are able to communicate with each other it's really intriguing and i know roblox went public on the stock exchange not too long ago and uh, i I think they're a really great company but before i i I don't want to get too long-winded i want to uh which i, I well I hey can... you know
1: roger or, or george that, that all beats the uh, old piece of paper with all your friends numbers you had in your pocket uh, yeah. you know all of us had going up um yeah i myself uh, was into tetris you know that that's about the extent of it um of my gaming experience we had a uh, uh a video store down the street that um my dad would let me uh, rent an NES console, play maybe Tetris or RBI Baseball or Super Mario Bros., but that was about it. That was always fun to go up there and see yeah. what games were available, right? Totally. But however minimal your experience with gaming might be, uh, you'd have to live under a rock if you don't recognize the impact the multi billion dollar gaming industry has had on society. Which brings us to our special guest today, Will Hershey. Welcome, Will. How are you, man?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you guys for, for having me on. Uh, Thanks in the for heat being on. here in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh,
1: yeah, I've I've heard uh, as of late it's been a little rough out there. So uh, hang in there, in the air conditioning, um, <laughs> George. Why don't you tell the fine people a little about a little bit about Will?
0: Yeah, Will. Um, it'd be great if we could just kind of take it back to your formative years, uh, where you grew up and how you became really interested in gaming, technology, investing. What was it like before uh, you enrolled in Vanderbilt?
3: Sure. So we're going, we're going way back here. Um, and by the way, talking about how we used to communicate, I think I was like a Nokia, uh, the brick phone, I think was where I, where, when I got started. Uh, and we, we would, that was Snake. If Snake you remember. was on there. I do and, remember Snake. And that was pre-Brick Breaker, which was, which was the Blackberry that brought that. And those were, those were like the most, some of the most addicting games ever. Um, so I actually grew up uh, here in New York City um, which a lot of people, when they hear that, like yeah, you know, they they they're surprised to, to learn that. Um, and it's easier to talk about the investing side, uh, that and I can go into gaming. But um, both my parents actually worked uh, on Wall Street. So my dad worked at Merrill Lynch, my mom worked at Lehman Brothers, two firms that that no longer exist today. Right. Um, and really, kind of from that perspective, grew up with CNBC on the TV. Very much so from day one, kind of interested in investing, interested in the markets. Jimmy um, Kramer
0: in the background.
3: Exa- exactly. Um, and in the table. <laughs> um, and who was it? Um, what was his name? Haynes? Santelli. Oh, the-
0: yeah. Mark Haynes. Yeah.
3: Mark Haynes. That was the, that, he was he used to be on as well. Um, Rest in peace. Yes, indeed. Um, so that kind of was was formative in terms of finance and investing background. And I, I actually um, was more, well, I was, I was an athlete growing up, pl- played football, lacrosse um but very much so throughout you know the entire time growing up was a gamer myself um I wasn't you know you talked in in your intro about how or you alluded to the fact that you know now people are making millions of dollars playing playing video games I wasn't like uh on track to do that I was a casual gamer but gaming was just uh, and I think maybe you know kind of my generation I was born uh 1989 probably you know grew up with, you know, the Xbox that you worked on. And it was, it was, gaming had started to kind of change and become a much more kind of immersive uh, social experience. And that's very different from kind of where it used to be. So that was kind of my background in gaming. Um, Yeah, I ended up going to to Vanderbilt uh, to study economics. Um, This is 2007. So it was kind of interesting being a New Yorker going down to, uh, to the South for school. Can you tell
0: um, the people a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, what co- going to college in Nashville, Tennessee, is like?
3: Uh, awesome. Yeah, um, it's a great it's,
0: fucking town.
3: Oh my god! It, 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 oh, I didn't realize we can curse on, curse on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we're we're are just doing it. Um, no, it's it's an awesome town. Uh, I'm not, I'm still not a country music fan, if I'm being perfectly honest. Or like, I, I can, I can tolerate it, but it's not, it's not like my my go-to. So yeah. that took a little getting used to, but. Um, it was, a, it was a very different experience that I think you're, you're seeing now, you know, it was very much so driven by Greek life, um, kind of old school Southern from that perspective. I don't know. It was, it was fun to, to kind of leave New York, uh, which I'm you know now back in New York for, for four years to do that. Uh, no complaints on, on that experience for sure.
0: And I guess you guys just missed the uh, Jay Cutler era, right? Uh,
3: Jay Cutler. Oh, no, we had one year. Yes, we did miss Jay Culler. Sorry. Yeah, we missed Jay Cutler.
0: He's had an interesting uh, career, I think more as a meme. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he, and my wife watches some show that he's on that uh, I, I can't recall the name of it, but uh, he was a really good football player. Uh, I think he just never really lived up to his potential for one reason or another. But uh, that was probably the biggest uh, player that Vanderbilt had, for, you know, at least that I can remember.
3: No, for sure. He was definitely the biggest name. Uh, we had a couple guys go go to the NBA, but not, no one uh, too huge. And now the, the baseball team is, is yeah. uh, what's grabbing all the headlines. First right. and third pick. What was it? Something like that in the MLB draft from Vandy.
0: No kidding. That's great. Um, so you graduate uh, Vanderbilt. You're uh, studying economics, like you said. So you kind of probably always had in the back of your head or your career path was, I'm going to go back to New York and get involved in finance is that how is did you just kind of take the traditional path of like I'm going to graduate do an internship and just you know leverage my network and you know maybe there was a track for Vanderbilt folks to get placed up in some of the firms in New
3: York I, I actually I don't know if I'd say I took the traditional path and like well my my major was economics my minor was beer pong, uh for sure <laughs> yeah and uh kind of like knew I wanted to do something within finance. I told you the background, my parents both worked, worked in the, in the industry. Um, But, but wasn't really sure. I I actually ended up interning for a a boutique shop here in New York uh, called Yorkville capital that was focused on energy investing. Um, Even more specifically, it was focused on energy infrastructure, which is like pipelines and and gathering and processing assets. Not the, not the sexiest stuff, um, not the sexiest stuff around, but it was actually kind of hot back in, 2011, 11, 12, 13. So I, I ended up getting an internship there, went to work there after school. And, um, believe it or not, we actually launched, uh, exchange traded funds, ETFs at that small boutique firm, um, which kind of introduced me to that structure, which is what I'm I'm doing now today. I don't mean to skip around much, but got to understand the ETF model, which for those who aren't familiar that are, that are listening is, uh, very similar to kind of a mutual fund if you're investing in those in your 401k or, or, or otherwise, but it's actually listed on an exchange. Um, and it's a sector that's, you know, typically thought of as dominated by iShares and Vanguard and these massive firms. We were a small little firm, but we did it. Um, and I got to really kind of, number one, learn about how that structure is beneficial to investors. And we can talk about that if if we'd like, but more than that kind of understand as a small team. And I was a junior guy, but I was sitting in on all these meetings. How do you almost like, even not how do you do an ETF? How do you like run a business? Like how how do you um, like, what are the different kind of moving parts? But um, that was kind of the the background that led me to where I am um, today in the firm that that I've started just to fill in the gaps there we launched two funds focused on energy. We raised 400 million, uh, in assets in those funds. in those two, we actually sold them to a larger ETF company. Um, then I stuck around, uh, with the partners at that firm and we focused on, uh, separately managed accounts. And we actually got seated for a long, short hedge fund focused on energy. Um, so I was in energy for a long time, which was a pretty good learning experience, but, um, glad to not be, be there right now. And uh, that, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of breezing through this, but that fund ended up uh, shutting down. And I kind of reconnected with a, a friend of mine I'd grown up with, my now co-founder back when crypto was having its last cycle. So 20, you know, now we're going through the the most recent cycle and we're kind of on the downturn here, but 2017, um, 2018 was the last crypto cycle. And I, I kind of reconnected with my friend and we came to the similar conclusion that you know, there's kind of a change in the way that people, but more specifically, younger people are approaching investing. They're having conversations on Discord and on Reddit and on Twitter and like it, investing in finance historically. Was, I mean, I guess you had yeah, you had Yahoo message boards, right? But it yep. wasn't the same kind of social uh, type, viral type uh, environment that we saw with crypto. It's funny,
0: those message boards are still out there and people are still taking them seriously, I think or some people do.
3: Well, that's what I like to tell people. I'm like, look, markets, like people don't change, right? Like it right now it's it's, it's Reddit and it's it's Robinhood. But for me, when I first got started, it was Yahoo message boards and it was Scott trade, but it's, right. it, it, and, and people like to say that, I mean, it's the same thing in a different, different flavor. Um, but we so kind of, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to
0: ask, you know, uh, so you it makes sense. You had the ETF background and, uh, you know, the sound like the the fund was winding down or the firm was winding down. So you had this idea at the time, was it, you were gonna, when you launched, were you focused on, uh, maybe I'll let you tell it, but did you guys meet a lot of resistance and skepticism when you said, hey, we're gonna be hyper-focused on the emergence and the growth of uh, gaming?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, right? So just finish taking that where we left off. So we said, people, this is changing the way that, you know, kind of um, younger people are are interacting with markets. So we said, let's start, you know, let's leverage my experience in ETFs and create a new ETF company that number one creates products that younger people are passionate about and focuses, like you said, George, on these emerging themes. Mm -hmm. First one we ended up focusing on was gaming and esports. And then number two, let's primarily try and you know, take a different approach to growing and, and marketing and distribution uh, by really kind of trying to focus on social and one-to-many communications and, and getting in front of us, you know, on the, being on the internet, really, in the broadest sense. Um, and when we, you know, we started to do it just for context, to, to launch one of these ETFs on the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, um, it's expensive. It costs, you know, a couple hundred thousand just to have, just to have a fund out there um so a lot we of paperwork
0: a, with the lawyers and a lot uh, of compliance <laughs> and the sec is the regulators are all over you I, i'm sure it's like a big part of your day-to-day is or week-to-week dealing with the regulators and finra and sec is that true
3: oh yeah 100 percent. i mean that's the biggest um that's one of the biggest things we, we deal with is playing within the the rules that you that you kind of uh articulated there but so we so we we, we said like you know you know, I I had left my, my hedge fund role. My my now co-founder was um, an investment manager uh, out in the West Coast, out in near uh, in the Bay Area, um, and we had to raise money to to launch these launch the CTF company. Right, we didn't have the capital to put into that.
0: Right, and that's and- when I first met you. Because a quick aside, a friend of mine, his name is Mark Salino. He started a um, fantasy sports. Uh, platform that he's raising some money for and he's actually making some traction working with major league baseball but I met you at a conference in midtown manhattan and I think that's when we first connected because at the time I was working for RBC and um I think we were able to make an introduction for you to you know at least um I don't know if you're raising capital or what maybe you can tell us what was going yeah. on at that point
3: yeah I think we had had the ETF out there for our first mm-hmm. ETF but um, we definitely faced resistance trying to rate, well, two, two prim- primary reasons. One, we were getting into an industry that I mentioned earlier was dominated by these massive, you know, massive uh, asset managers, right? Trillions of dollars. And people kind of look at you and say, you know, you're, you know, it's, you're kind of crazy to try and go up into a market like that and think you can, can compete number one. And number two was exactly what you touched on George, which is, you know, a, you know, a video game and, and esports fund, which was our first fund that we had planned to launch and we did end up launching it in June 2019 uh, with the ticker symbol nerd, we always right. try and we always try and throw like fun awesome t- yeah. tickers on there. Um, uh, so we definitely had I mean it, it was hard, I mean. For anyone listen like it's just hard no matter what business you're in it's hard to raise money for a startup right Um, it's hard to get anyone to even to
0: respond to your email
1: right i mean i mean you know if i can just jump in how do you raise money for a startup where do you go and on what strength i mean what what's your pitch essentially i mean this is i'm certainly out of my depth i'm fascinated by this topic but how how do you go about raising 400 million dollars as you had mentioned earlier
3: So that was so the the 400 million I guess is was in this exchange traded fund wrapper, right? So, with these exchange traded funds, they're actually listed, so anyone can 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 go out and buy them. So that that becomes like the the distribution mechanism. And for context, at, at my new firm, Round Hill, that we started, and we. We launched this video game ETF in 2019. We've since launched a fund on streaming, on sports betting, on these these emerging themes. On the metaverse, we actually launched one. We have about 600, 700 million that we've raised since in in about two years. But for startup, uh, what were your first meetings
0: like? Were you going up, knocking on the doors of major institutions, or is this more of like? Oh yeah, yeah. I think you know Pete's. I think Pete, that's what you're saying. Is like when you're first walking out the door, you're making some phone calls. Who are you talking to, and yeah, what are those conversations like?
3: Well, first of all, I wish I had the right answer on how to yeah. do it, but it took us a while, right? Because it's kind <laughs> of like, and we were raising a couple million bucks for. So the hundreds of millions is for the actual product we have, but this is mm-hmm. like to operate the business to even launch those products. Okay. So in that case, we were raising, you know, two million dollars was kind of our ask, um, and it was it was really kind of tricky because. Um, you know, typically you'd want to go to venture capital firms that are in the business of, you know, they place a hundred of these bets. One of them ends up being the next pick your, you know, Uber of X or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And that makes their fund, right? X percent of them that are going to be zeros, a couple of them, they'll return, you know, one or two times their money. And then a couple just skyrocket. The tricky part for us was our business model, at least on paper back then, didn't really fit the the, you know, our business was launching these innovative funds, but it didn't really have the quote unquote, like sexy upside of the, you know, launching Uber, right. It wasn't going to be a, at least back then the thought was it wasn't going to become a hundred, whatever, you know, pick some crazy number. Uh, so that was the tricky part there. We spoke with some angel, angel investing groups. Those are typically firms that, that even do earlier on than, than, um, venture. Uh, but oftentimes they'll want you to have a product in the market. So we ended up um, raising a small round from friends and family. Very fortunate that we had the ability to even do that. So that was kind of huge. But then after that, we actually, and believe it or not, it was a cold LinkedIn message uh, initially that that kicked off the conversation. We ended up finding uh, a German uh, venture capital firm called Bitcraft that's focused not on finance, but focused on gaming and esports. And We pitched them like, look, we're going to do this first one in gaming we're going to replicate that model and do it again and again in these different verticals and they uh you know long story short bunch of bunch of meetings i flew out to la um met in the we work there and and kind of the rest was history and then we had enough capital to you know launch the business and and now we're at a point where we don't need we don't need uh threes anymore now it's just about executing
1: so when you're developing a um this ETF, do you, are you concerned that other people might be doing the same or do you, or were you quite confident that you had a unique idea here and that you, that you, you know, it seems, it seems to me that it's a great idea. And if, it, you know, but are you worried that there's competition in that same kind of vein
3: 100%, at when you're launching? hundred um, percent. And that's one of the trickiest parts of uh, the business I'm in is there's no, um, you know, I can't do, I can't trademark or copyright, uh, mm-hmm. a certain sector, right? I can't say no one yeah. else can launch a video game fund now. Cause I've launched one. Um, yeah. So that, yeah. that's not only a, a thing that crosses our mind when we're working on, on new funds, but it's also like, once you're out there, um, yeah. that's a real, that's a real risk. Um, but that's where it kind so of an helps. ETF,
1: yeah. So an ETF is essentially like a, an index, right? is that a fair way to put it? Like um, the Brazilian index, it's a bunch of different companies in Brazil that is put together that you would have, is it kind of a similar idea?
3: Exactly. So I'll give you a little bit more on the, the nerd ETF really, really quick inside of that. So if you go and buy nerd on Robinhood or TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. you're actually getting exposure to let's call it 30 odd, Companies involved in gaming and esports. Some of them make the games. Some of them run streaming gotcha. platforms. Some of them make the keyboards and the mice and the headsets. And all those together, um, the thought is, and and they're also you know global companies, right? Some might be uh, from Hong Kong or Taiwan or Korea. The thought is, rather than making a bet on you know one game or one company, you kind of say, look, I don't know who's going to win here. You give the money to to us. We have an index that tracks all this stuff, and that's kind of the way you do it.
1: Gotcha. It's a it's, a, it's interesting. Is it accessible for common folk, or is it already very expensive? This ETF.
3: No, I mean it's say? it's trading at um, you know less than thirty dollars a share. So you know wow, and now it's amazing. So you could go on Robinhood and buy one share if you if if you wanted. Um, yeah, yeah. Or whatever app it might be that you use.
0: Fantastic. Um, Um, A question. Sorry, Pete. uh, Just if, right, as it pertains to the launch of Nerd, um, can you just give the listeners uh, some context? Um, Your conviction, I believe, when I saw uh, your your deck back in my RBC days was the magnitude, the depth of um, seriousness that e gaming is enjoying in market, in Asian markets. I think it's Korea, maybe China. Uh, I'll let you tell it once again, but can you just give the, you know, most of our audiences in the US, we do have some international folks, believe it or not, uh, which we're happy to have. Uh, Everybody's welcome here. Um, (laughs) But the seriousness that e-gaming is taking in Asia, can you explain that? And, you know, what are you seeing and how do you see that growing uh, going forward?
3: Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, the like, when I look at video games and esports more broadly, like to me, it's, a, it's, it's already a massive market, gaming is, right? Like gaming, is, people don't even realize this. Like gaming is probably, depending on where you look, like the biggest form of entertainment globally. Um, we're talking about almost 200 billion in, in revenues um, and growing like 10% per year. So it's a massive and
0: a, market. A, lo- a lot of competing entertainment forms are shrinking. Is that right? Isn't that right?
3: Totally. I mean, you look at linear TV shrinking, music has actually had a resurgence and streaming has kind of brought it back to life a little bit, but that's been on decline for decades in terms of, of revenues, you know, box office. I don't need it. I mean, that's not a surprise to anyone that that's, that's in in trouble AMC shareholders aside. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, it's, it's taking share and it's also, you know, it's just, it's a generation, we talked about this at the very beginning, but it's a generational change uh, that's taking place ac- across the globe. And to give you some numbers, um, so part of it is just the growth of gaming. But um, this other part is this, this concept of people watching people play games, which I think right. is like, it's difficult for some people to comprehend, but it's massive. And you're talking about, you know, 400 million people globally that are regular viewers of, of gaming and game streaming and esports. Um, as you mentioned, George, a lot of that historically has taken place in Korea where Starcraft two was like, if you went pro in Starcraft two, that was being like the quarterback on, you know, uh, on X, Y, Z NFL team, um, in right. China, league of legends is, is like, you know, if you b- buy the numbers, they're getting a hundred million people to, to, to tune in for the, for the finals. So it's, it's kind of this, um, it's, it's definitely started to take root in, in those, uh, in those parts of the world. And you're now seeing it, um, move over into the U S where, you know, we're now starting to hear stories of whether it's, you know, Ninja, who's probably the most famous pro gamer, uh, from Fortnite. you know, you're having, first of all, competitive teams that are, you know, fielding te- teams across different games. You're having these individuals who are you know becoming stars in their own right compared to traditional athletes. Yeah. Um, and when you, just when you look at, 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 the, the experience of gaming has changed so much from, you know, the types of games you were talking about right in the very beginning, where it's not just I buy the the cartridge for 50 bucks or whatever it is, play the game through. It's now a form of entertainment that keeps on living and breathing and changing and evolving. And it's, it's what young people want to do, quite honestly.
0: Right. And I'm, uh, I'm seeing it real time with my daughters because they both like to go on YouTube and follow people that are either playing games or doing something. So, yeah, I could see celebrity and fame being uh, starting out from, you know, it's kind of interesting that it's kind of decentralized. You don't have to have a financial backer. You don't have to come from a certain pedigree. If you're good enough, I guess you'll get a following, which is kind of uh, refreshing that everybody has an opportunity. know the 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 barrier to entry is pretty low um roger i don't know if you wanted to jump in with any questions Say that's just
2: great that we're gonna be you know pumping out generations and generations of couch potatoes
1: (laughs) (laughs) but roger there is a sort of uh romantic uh if you're i mean there were arcade kids that were fighting for the top score and your only prize was the top score now you get the top score you might get paid I mean, that's totally different, well, that's,
2: than, you, know. That, you know. that's true, and you know, I've spent plenty of quarters in those. Uh, <laughs> when I was a kid. There's no doubt about it, but you know, you know, I, I um, I love video games. I don't have any. I don't have a problem with it. It's just that, uh, you know, I just like the kids that get out and do a little something else besides just play video games all day. You know, that's all. I, maybe I'm just. That's just my age. That's just being. I agree with
0: you, man, and, you know, as a parent, not to turn this into a parenting show, but I do see to it that, you know, I'm an old sentimentalist for the analog world, you know, being outside and playing music and, you know, having contact with nature and other humans is super important, and I think that you can find a balance, but I do think, our, Roger, I think you could probably agree with this from the standpoint of an artist and an entertainer is that it is kind of cool that there are opportunities where maybe these kids in Korea couldn't ever get a chance to do anything else. There's now there's a new industry, there's a new sector for them to, you know, do something positive and maybe have some opportunity. And, you know, it's, you know, it's a new venue for entertainment that the possibilities are are pretty uh, exponential, I guess.
2: I will say that Korea though has a very, very, very good film industry. So they've already got a, I mean, they're not losing any money in the box office. Like we are over here. It's only because of the pandemic that the box office has really gone down. But of course a movie makes a billion dollars or $2 billion in America. That's nothing compared to what an individual video game will make. Right. I mean, how much is, a, you know, a brand new call of duty? How much money is that going to make? Once it's the massive. Yeah. yeah. So was it like $5 billion or something like that more. Wow. Yeah. So it's, 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 but you're right. Um, Korea is a pretty good example, but I do know you know a lot of people from Korea. Korea is a pretty uh, but uh, South Korea, I mean, right. Korea, I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have uh, a very extensive uh, and revered culture that's uh in tune to the arts, k pop, um,
1: right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> hey, well, um, you know, you mentioned AMC earlier, um, in passing, but I did want to actually touch on it because. I've got a few friends that are they keep they're kind of buying into this whole squeeze uh talk and everything and you know i i myself bought a little bit when it was fairly cheap it it goes up and down as expected and just personally you know that the pandemic was kind of coming to an end we don't really know what's happening right now in california because they've recently um put the mask mandate up but uh i mean to me yeah again and to, but to me it feels like it's not a bad bet because people will go back to the theaters but is it going to hit these astronomical numbers i i just don't see how i mean can you provide any information or color from your perspective about what's happening with these reddit boards and is the common person getting a shot at at the stock market like it's traditionally not been the case it seems if you follow me.
3: Yeah, that, I mean, that there's a can of worms. Like, we, we can have a whole podcast talking about this, I think, probably. Um,
1: Give us the highlights.
3: I, uh, yeah. No, I think um, huh, there's a lot to unpack. So I think um, it's really interesting, right? Because this all kind of started with GameStop, was kind of the first um, instance of this kind of narrative playing out um, where you had Tons of hedge funds in this in that case that were short the stock, probably more than should have been. Um, and the trade was picked up by, you know, roaring kitty Fucking value, he figured it out. Um, and that was awesome, right. And, and and I, but what I do think at the very highest level has changed, like, I've been someone who's been on Wall Street bets, right, the message board that that all took place beyond, before this had happened. And the way that the financial media kind of made the story about, look, the retail investors now empowered and this is all about giving it to the man. And no, this was just about one dude who figured out a good trade and put it on and we're making it to be more of, you know, we're making it to be, feel like it's more structural, that the market's change, that the power is now in the retail investor. You know, like institutional investors were the ones who made a ton of money on, on that trade and on AMC. Mm -hmm. um and i think that's where i get kind of frustrated with it because you know you had back with gamestop you had all these you know billionaires on tv saying you know this is great give it to the man it's like it's kind of bullshit if you ask me (laughs) like this is one dude who found a great trade um now though like you know the fact that it's been and george you could probably talk to this too from like your experience in the market but the fact that it's been five months or so since this first started like I've studied the markets enough to know that well to, to think or believe that normally this shit doesn't last that long right like yeah. like something has fundamentally changed and like any rational actor would tell you that GameStop is not worth like 20 billion dollars when yeah. people download their games now like 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 what are they gonna do like what are there's they gonna no, possibly uh, do? Do they
1: even have GameStops anymore? <laughs> yeah, do.
0: there's one in uh Stanford, Connecticut, right?
2: What's their I
1: trade? Am. I don't they just buy and sell old games? That's all I ever thought that place was. It's and
2: probably not much different across. than a- they still have one across from New Beverly down there, uh Pete. Wow, oh, crazy. It's
0: it's it's one of those stores amongst many stores that I can't for the life of me understand that are still. In existence you know whether in a it's a brick and
1: mortar capacity right anyway.
0: whether it's a party city or whether it's a bed bath and beyond you know the delivery services have really made these guys obsolete and to continue to pay you know at the basic level you know rent for retail space and taxes and liabilities and trying to staff it with employee employees it's it's just not forget about you know making a profit what about just keeping the lights on you know paying the electric bill has got to be a challenge
1: but there seems to be a difference with between the GameStop situation and this amc situation because amc actually has a viable product that i think people are going to go to the theaters in droves after this yes you can have a nice viewing experience in your home and maybe before the pandemic it was going that way that people were their home theaters were were more desirable because they could stop a movie or whatever, but people still want to sit in a the theater. And I think people want to go out and have the social experience of going to a theater more now than in a, in a long time. So I don't think it's a bad bet in some respects. It's not going to hit these crazy numbers, but it's going to go up. I do believe it's going to go up personally. So the but thing,
2: but Black Widow was a pretty good calling, uh, call to arms though for the movie theaters because they offered it time and uh, day and date on the same time public for access to the public on Disney Plus for a third for an additional twenty nine ninety nine, that bit heavily into the theater markets and that the, but they but the, <clears throat> the distributor makes more money by putting it online than they do by giving
1: it to a movie theater. Well, people are actually paying twenty nine ninety nine to see Black Widow. That blows my mind. I yeah, mean- but if you think about it, Pete, it's and- not
0: that much different than you're paying to go to the theater. I, I, it's initial yeah. sticker shock. Well, not is five there. people
2: are going to watch that movie for for that amount. Yeah, that if you movie. have a
0: family and you think about how many people you have to, and
2: you also for. share your, it's a great point. Password with a lot of people. Right. So it's it's exponentially goes down as far as, but Disney gets to keep all that revenue. They almost get to keep ninety eight percent as opposed to uh, sixty five or seventy percent.
1: So by that logic, AMC and uh, and Regal Cinemas and all these big chains could be squeezed right out, well, unless so they have some.
2: Already on the on the verge of that now.
1: Wow.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, for context, AMC before all this craziness and they were able to raise money because the stock price got higher. You know, they were a real risk to to straight up go bankrupt. And I think when you look at AMC GameStop. You know, I appreciate what you're saying. Maybe people do go back to the theaters, but these stocks are not trading based off of any semblance of real value. They're trading off of, you know, a cheat code, quote unquote, that was found in the market, which is a combination of these highly shorted stocks. And on top of that, you know, and I don't mean to get too much in the weeds here, but like what's effectively like weaponized option buying where people buy the calls, and there's a mechanism on the back end for the market makers that hedge them, and they're forced to buy. And kind of with GameStop, it, I don't know what where, how that how high that price would have gone if you know Robinhood didn't uh, wasn't forced to you know stop trading. Like who there was no once things get disconnected from reality, to your point, it's mm-hmm. like I don't know more buyers you know not more buyers than sellers. There's always one to one, but you know what I mean. Like th- this is a, a a market structural issue, not a what what are these companies worth. Issue, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense,
0: guys. Um, if it's okay, I think we're going to take. Uh, we're at the thirty-five minute mark. Why don't we take a little break, and then we'll just come back and uh, hit a couple of other. I, I'd like to talk about the metaverse a little bit, and maybe about sports gambling and Roger and Pete. Whatever you guys have.
2: Hey, we have a quick favor to ask. We want to get the word out, and the way to help is for you to subscribe to us on either Apple or Spotify. And it would be really huge if you give us a rating and a review. Much love. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're back again here on the $5 Buzz. Talking to Mr. Will Hershey here in Manhattan. Talking about all things finance, some things gaming. You know, I just wanted to say that as far as Wall Street goes, you know, I used to occupy a place down there. Never mind. Bad joke.
0: Uh, <laughs> anyway, back over to you, George. <laughs> that was good. It took me a second to get that, but uh, you know, let's uh keep people thinking on their toes. Um, Will, another ETF that's offered uh through uh your firm Roundhill is uh based on sports uh gambling and I was wondering, what are your thoughts, similar to we're talking about the movie theater's erosion of revenue? I kind of think that sports is kind of at a reckoning point. I'll take the NFL and, you know, uh, English Premier League and the big European leagues out of it, because I know they'll be successful no matter what, I think. Um, but some of the other, front, you know, let's take Major League Baseball as an example. 160-
2: 106. No, take NFL. NFL is okay. the almighty giant. It right. was never going to go anywhere. Right. And that's not the case anymore. But go well, ahead.
0: Let, I'm I'm thinking uh, about Major League Baseball. We'll use a local situation: the New York Yankees. They have 162 games, 80 of which are played in a relatively new stadium that I'm sure there's some debt service on. They built these parking lots and they sold bonds, which they owe the investors coupons. And now people weren't the attendance was down. Red Sox, Yankees, and is not what it the holy war it was 20 something years ago so you have less people probably coming out expensive tickets uh expensive uh amenities and now with the pandemic people aren't really coming back or there's some restrictions you know the new york yankees they do have you know i'm just using them as an example they have some debt you know now i can access gambling if i live in new jersey i can bet on a game i don't need to sit at the game video games, uh, Black Widow in my, uh, in my home are competing for the dollars and for attention. Um, What's your view on, does, do you think that in-person attendance decline is correlated to the rise in gambling? Are they, is that uh, a synergistic uh, situation there?
3: Yeah, no, it's a great question, George. And I think one thing I would just say on, on what even putting aside sports betting, it, it, that I think ha- the these these big uh, leagues have going for them is the shift from linear television to streaming. Because now what you're seeing is all these streaming platforms need to have that "quote unquote" killer app to bring people onto their platform. Right? Amazon just signed a huge deal for Thursday Night Football. Um, you know, ESPN's doing stuff with the UFC. Live sports still still does bring the eyeballs compared to. You know, other live television, right? So I think that that is kind of the the saving grace there. The um, red
1: zone was a was a game changer. Oh, feel,
3: red zone, like red I Zones like the That
1: best. was a yeah, it was a huge, a well, huge NFL development. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Yeah, <laughs> on YouTube. Sorry, I said you you have you know a lot of people cut the cords too, so but the one thing that I'm always looking for is just the live sports component. You know i everybody i know around here no longer has any regular that the cbs abc abc channels anymore i mean most people i know just have all the digital platforms and then they use a sling tv or uh, a youtube tv or
3: various tv to get the occasional live sports yeah i'm a youtube youtube tv guy myself but um bringing it back to to sports betting i think um I think your question, George, around whether they're synergistic, I think it's too early to say if they're related to in-person viewership. I still think like the experience of going to a game. Now, baseball is different because there's probably too many. They probably have to shorten the season, but I still think that's going to have a place. And I think it's separate from sports betting. But when I look at sports betting and for context, 2018 was when uh, PASPA was repealed that basically made sports betting legal on a federal level. Until then, uh, it was not. And now you've seen You know, New Jersey's probably been the best state at capitalizing on that since many more states are are slowly but surely legalizing online sports betting uh, for the main reason that it's such a massive black market um, that takes place anyway. Might as well regulate it, tax it, and offset some of the budget deficit you have due to COVID. So it's like kind of a no-brainer from from that perspective. And it's a lot of similar ways to cannabis, I would say. Um, The only difference being it's legal on a federal level. Uh, and then, you know, when I look at like baseball is a great example, George, young people just don't want to watch a full baseball game. They're used to, as we've talked about, they're used to gaming where they're, you know, every second is exciting, not, you know, a baseball game with your, you know, with your grandpa, you know, eating the dog for three innings. And I think sports betting, particularly live in-game sports betting, where you can bet is the next pitch going to be a curve or a fastball? Um, can really bring back the the younger audience. Now I'm saying you know of age audience, of course, and this will take time, but you know sports betting really is what's going to make the average you know game 120 in a baseball season potentially more exciting than it would be otherwise. Um, and I think from from that perspective, it's it's definitely you know it's that silver bullet because you you know we've been t- we kind of touched on it like viewership for traditional sports has been declining the past few years, almost across every league. And it's like, how do you bring that back? Well, if I've got five bucks on the game, I'm probably a lot more likely to watch than if I have no skin in the game. So I think that's that's a big part. And I think it's it's really this generational thing where young, younger people, Gen Z in particular, they wanna feel involved in everything they're doing, right? They wanna to say to their friends, they have you know, five bucks on the game and make it about them, right? It's kind of this social media uh, era that's coming into play. So I, th- I think that's kind of um, why I get excited about it. What, what you know, we could touch on, but it, believe it or not, the real money is actually in online casino games. Um, it's just not nearly as sexy to talk about. But that's where these states are going to bring in even more money.
1: Yeah, you mean like roulette and uh, blackjack and stuff is all? Do you think that's going to all end up being online for real money? Yes, it
3: already is, it already is in, in states like New Jersey and Pennsylvania um, online for real money. And what some of these companies are doing is actually doing live dealers where you can actually stream the dealer. So you, you kind of don't feel like, you know, if you ever play video poker, you're like, wow, I'm losing every fucking hand. What's going on? Like, is it ranked? um so they're Seems doing things dangerous. like that <laughs> no it's it's not i mean that's where you get into concerns around problem stuff and, and problem Ooh. gambling which is I a mean, whole nother topic listen i
2: love gambling i love gambling to death but i just you know all i keep hearing is this dark side in the back of my head coming through all this you know poor, will oh. just continue to get poorer and poorer and poorer
1: oh and man! Quick buck. Trying to hit, trying to get that hit that huge odd situation yeah, and, then, and all you
2: know, that. The, you know the baby's formula. There goes the electricity for the month. But, yeah.
1: And how do you trust that it's honest? I mean, I don't. You know, there's With one sports, thing- you mean? Well, no, with the know, with games. the casino stuff, which was not really what we're talking yeah. about. In in fairness, but I mean, I don't know if I would ever trust a roulette game online for money. People do, bro. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> No, it is. I mean, you guys are bringing up good points, right? It is. It is potentially a, a major um, issue here, and that's kind of the onus is on the individual at the end of the day to kind of make the right choices there, whether we like it or not.
2: To be somebody there, ready to take their money and just profit off of their misfortunes.
1: I know. So, sorry. Uh, so, so, um, so the the sports gambling though. Are you forced uh, on the ETF side of things? Are you considering the state-to-state laws that some are, I mean, I don't think DraftKings is even available in California, for example.
3: Yeah, no, so we, we don't actually like consider that in the way that we construct the portfolio. Um, most of the companies are, you know, in whatever state is is legal. And, you know, California might be on the ballot next year. New York yeah. just passed sports betting. It's, it's, how it's how a matter of time. How many states have cleared this? Sorry, how many states? Yeah. Because I know there's uh,
2: 17 states that have cleared marijuana, and I it's but re- it's not a federal. I got it, but it's yeah. still 17 individual. Or 18. Connecticut
0: states. just uh, gave the authorization, and uh, the, a lot of the uh, Native American nations, Mohegan Sun, and um, there's a uh, Mohegan Sun and uh, Foxwoods are run by uh, the native tribes and they've gotten the green light to have sports gambling. So it's, I've it's definitely no problem
2: with Native Americans taking white people's money. Totally.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, that um, brings up, it brings up a whole nother, uh, wrinkle in this whole thing is, is that, um, the tribes in a lot of these States control the gaming, right? The casinos are on their land or, uh, and when you move stuff online, how do regulators and legislatures think about how that works, right? Are they entitled to it? And that what they're doing is, is it's state by state issue. It's very different. Um, like in New York, you have to literally, if you're DraftKings, you have to place your server within one of the uh, casinos, like physically within one of the casinos and then pay a fee to the casino um, yeah. for access. So there's all this funky stuff, but um, in terms of our ETF, there's there, a lot of the companies are B2C like DraftKings are the parent company of FanDuel um, or points bet you might have heard William Hill there's there's actually a fair bit of operators some of them are, are international and they it's a way more mature market in the UK and Australia Australia they actually bet like more I think more than any other country per capita they're punters over there <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then there's some companies that are behind the scenes right provide the technology I mean it's just a it, it, the reason I'm I, I, I'm excited about that inter- that industry in particular is there's it's this this shift from you know physical to digital that really kind of makes sense. Right. I, you know, if you're in uh, you know, the, you know, Mississippi or Louisiana where you're going to these regional casinos um, to places sports better, whatever it might be uh, to move that online, just makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. I agree. Have you
3: ever, have you ever been to
2: one of those places in, in uh, uh, Mississippi or uh, Tennessee?
3: Uh I think I might have gone in college once. I actually just placed a sports bet in Montana, though, uh, where in Montana, it's crazy. They have, at all, I felt like at every gas station in the entire state that I went to, there was a, they, there were these like mini casinos that were all these yeah. virtual games and they did have a sports betting machine. So I was like, I'm here. I got to do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm
1: sur- so- I'm surprised Vegas hasn't just taking this whole thing over putting i mean if 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 gambling is legal in nevada sports gambling you know why can't these places just pop up their servers all over the state i mean and and how do you is it because your internet won't work when you make a sports bet in california how do they legislation how, how do they even regulate i don't understand like
3: yeah so it's it's called the wire act which prevents inter intra whatever the one where you're from if a different state, you can't interstate, yeah, interstate. You can't do anything interstate in terms of gambling, like the Wire Act of 1962 or whatever pre, pre, prevents right. that. Right. And they what they use is they have this geolocation technology similar to like if you're on Google Maps or whatever, where it knows where, where you are. And they basically say, and this is, this is why, like, I, I forgot the exact number, something like 20% of the bets in New Jersey are New Yorkers right. driving over and placing a bet and then going home. Well, well that's why <laughs> yeah. New York
0: has no choice but to do it because everyone's getting all that money is going to flow to Connecticut, New Jersey or Pennsylvania, which it already is. <clears throat> and let's be honest, New York state needs every uh, revenue dollar that it can get. And I, I can attest to it is, you know, I was getting my haircut in Greenwich, Connecticut. If you look on a map, it's right on the border of New York state. So I was getting the haircut in Greenwich, but uh, the geo fencing was picking up New York, Port Chester, which is right across the border. So they wouldn't allow me place to place the bet. So uh FanDuel didn't work in uh Greenwich. So if you're you know you're paying all that money to live in Greenwich, you can't gamble. So guys, you <laughs> might you might want to have a, a little regret about that.
1: Um but, but the but these UK sites, can you go on there and gamble from California? Yeah, I mean, mean it's a
3: it's a black it's black market then, right? It's it's offshore. Uh-huh. It's not, I mean, you could do gotcha. it and like you maybe well, like bovana is one that Bavonna, you might recall or, yep. or you know, used to be what was it? Um <laughs> I forget what it used to be, but Bovada is a big one. And now they, you can get your money out in Bitcoin. Like there's some regulatory arbitrage that someone's always trying to figure out. Um, but that's all going to shift. And like I said, the big thing is this is all happening anyway, right? Like this is all, whether it, whether it's with a bookie or on Bovada or whatever, and it's just going to, it's just going to shift into the really similar cannabis when you think about it, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I
0: think there's so much. Um there is so many similarities between gaming, legalized gambling, marijuana, and even video games to a certain extent. It's like, it's a generational thing. These old laws and these old senior citizens that should be out of office that let's be honest, they need the tax revenue. Everyone is smoking mm-hmm. dope. You, you Only an idiot would not take the tax money. Only an idiot would not take the revenue from gambling. I mean, but these are the people that, you know, as long as I've been alive, the Cuomo family has been running New York state. I mean, it's time for, I mean, I'm going down on a rant over, (laughs) you know, Uh, I know that we're up against the clock here. Will. I know you've got some other commitments. I just really would like to uh, close it out with some questions on the metaverse and maybe you could just educate the listeners on exactly what that is. And that I know it I try to explain it to my wife. I said, you know, Roblox is very fascinating to me. Not only does it allow for collaboration and communication, but is it right to say the metaverse is a world, a digital world that kind of straddles the physical world and it's always going, it's always happening whether you're there or not. So when I was a kid and if I played Castlevania, the the game only existed when I turned the power button on and was jumping and hitting and chasing Dracula. And the game stopped when I turned it off is it right to say the metaverse never turns off it's always real it's always existing in real time
3: yeah i mean i think that i think that's a pretty good description and like this concept of the metaverse is like we're seeing companies that are touching aspects of it like roblox is one when you look at like grand theft auto online that's another kind of ever living breathing virtual world fortnite even like the these games that um to to certain degrees, check some of the, the the different boxes, and they're really not games. They're really kind of virtual, virtual worlds that are living and breathing, and it's it's kind of more of a concept now than reality. But it, that's exactly it. The thought is, if you've ever read, probably the best thing is if you've ever read Snow Crash. Well, that's a long time ago. Or, and yeah, you got it. So oh, yeah. uh, if you ever read Snow Crash, that that was actually where the term the metaverse was coined. It was in that. In that book, which is an awesome book, if if anyone wants to wants to read it and kind of cyberpunk, is into cyberpunk,
2: um, you know, one of the big dogs in cyberpunk.
3: Yeah, exactly, and we're uh, probably more more than that. People who are familiar with Ready Player One, right? Like this idea of you've got your your physical world, and then you've got the digital world. That's you know, to to George's point, kind of ever living, breathing, whether you're in it or not, um, where you have concurrent, um, you know you know there's there's one iteration of it that everyone's in together and and kind of transact and there's an economy and transacting and 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 you know um kind of the 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 like long-term bull case for it is that like that's going to be a different version of or the the successor to today's uh what we think of as the internet right instead of the internet being the way we have it now in kind of two dimensions and and you know you know you're on a certain web page instead let me go in with an avatar and go shopping on the street that has all of the virtual malls or um, whatever it might be right and it's it's kind of this crazy concept to think about but we're getting closer to it being realistic from a technology perspective. Um, Terrifying.
2: avatar to commit crimes while you're sleeping <laughs>
1: that's a good idea it's for a movie
2: that's how they doing things you don't want it to do yeah
0: <laughs> yeah there definitely is some uh bad people out there and i guess that's what you know for kids they gotta be careful about i know that my daughter has gotten scams before which is mm-hmm. you know someone will make an offer on a trade for like some pet that she has and they take all her pets and she has no money and she goes running. Oh. She's like, I just got scammed. I'm like, dude, I can't help you. You guys got to oh figure this one God. out yourself. Um, uh, this is one uh, area of life where uh, you guys are uh, going without. Uh, but in <laughs> fairness,
1: in fairness, that, that can even happen is kind of crazy. I mean, just the yeah. other day uh, our, our niece was over and um, she was telling Alexa to play fart noises Okay. And she all these different fart noises. This is funny. And she <laughs> and she says this specific one. And Alexa says that's part of a premium fart package. No <laughs> oh shit. God. Do you want to <laughs> learn more about that? And she said yes. And it was like twenty bucks. And she if I had I not been sitting there, she could have easily ordered this premium fart package for twenty dollars <laughs> wow. just by saying it. Like how does that? <laughs> happen? <I guess, laughs> yeah, you Alexa. Know? I will take the premium fart package. <laughs>
0: Who ever thought that would be a career where you know someone would sit in a room and get that
1: uh, project greenlighted? And I guess it comes <laughs> I, back. I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely incredible. Well, I, I missed. I must have missed it. But what is the name of the sports uh, gambling ETF?
3: Sure, it's uh the ticker we got there is bets, BETZ. um So once again, we're always going for the tickers that uh, are memorable. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, sense.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs>
3: but awesome. coming back to this metaverse concept i, I don't know how much longer time we have but Definitely, uh yeah. two things one and, and i know roger you were talking about music earlier um they're starting to do some pretty amazing things with um these concerts inside yes. of these games so awesome. travis scott inside of Fortnite, little nas x inside of roblox um where it there's potential to like just talk about one industry this concept of the metaverse can disrupt like if I can go on tour inside of a game, reach a hundred million people in a concert, like talk and about everybody,
1: everybody's paying a ticket for that, right?
3: Yeah. Oh no, no, sorry. No, 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 they're not. They're not, uh, they're not they, now.
1: It may get to the point where, Hey, you sure. can pop in on your, on your, on your Sony PlayStation and watch, you know, uh, George's favorite band, uh, the Foo Fighters,
3: the Foo. you know, <laughs> and it's a step above. Particularly now, where we get into VR, which is a whole nother part of the med, you know the metaverse. But now, if I can do, go to the concert in VR and say you know, hang out with my friends, now it's like holy shit, this experience is pretty competitive compared to going to you know downtown and sitting in the traffic to go to the concert, right? And so I mean, it's like, if
1: you yeah, I mean, if you've got a headset on and and you're or you've built up your sound system in your house to to be really amazing, it might actually be a pretty cool experience with you and some friends at home hearing a live concert, but it also is not being at a concert exactly at all so <laughs> I mean I don't I'm not It's it just as well, terrifying the,
3: well this is why like we come full circle on the conversation like talking about sitting inside all day and it's like this is a generational thing in a large extent and this is about people who've grown up on the internet and grown up with an ipad and are digitally native and are accustomed to having that be a big part now the, the real world still needs to exist and that's where shit really happens but like they know the digital world is part of where they've spent their their lives whether it's in text chat or video or whatever and it's kind of scary particularly if you have kids i'm sure like that's you know the internet's a scary place but um it's just only going to get more in terms of what it's going to mean for people
0: examples that i've seen where the other entertainment verticals have Um, And I keep going back to Roblox. I know there's probably other games out there. This is the one I know is that there was a singer called Zara Larson, who uh, I don't know, some younger folks may be familiar with. I didn't really know who she was. She's just a pop singer, but she launched her new song on Roblox and it was kind of a concert. And my daughters wanted to log in and there was other people in there. Let's go watch the, the new song. So the new song doesn't premiere on YouTube or MTV. It's on uh, Roblox, and also this film-
1: Are they that, paying a fee to see that?
0: No, I don't think there was. It's just <laughs> a way for the artist and the business to get a lot of uh, eyeballs. It's yeah. more probably for them, but, uh, and then the folks that um, did um, In the Heights, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, recent I think it was a play he made a long time ago and right. made it into a movie, but in the, as part of the launch for that film, was let's do a performance on Roblox so they're really they know where these young kids are to get them to come and go see the movie, which I think is pretty interesting. And then the singers also there's Roblox playlists on Spotify where things are kind of just spinning around in a circle, but they're kind of orbiting around uh, this metaverse. Which I don't know, I'm very intrigued by it, and I know I'm an old uh, analog world sentimentalist, but. There's just something about the, what I observe from afar that I think is, it's just, I see it's like the future evolving in front of you, right?
1: Yeah,
0: that's how 100%. I
3: see it. 100%. The concept of, virtu- of, of buying virtual items, right? Even if it's a fart noise, right? right. Buying a virtual item. Now that's the a, a sillier example, but like, George, I'm sure your daughters wanna buy Robux to buy a new outfit for their character- I get hit they, up all the time. As much as they want a new dress. Right. right.
0: You know and what? Like- the, 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 the cash drain is definitely real. It's not. <laughs> so that's the other thing, Pete. The money to purchase these things are linked to your bank account. So Roblox is making, <laughs> is extracting revenue from the. Uh,
1: it seems like a pretty smart way to separate a person from their money. I got to tell you, I'm you. very impressed by it. That's I am very impressed I mean- by it. I mean, it's not like you're going to the mall and getting five bucks off your parents to go put to quarters in the arcade.
0: Well, at least there's still the back- ladies and gentlemen. At least there's still a backstop where they they don't know my password yet. So <laughs> hopefully, they have to at least come to me and beg me. With puppy dog's eyes to get the neon dragon pet that they're dying for. I'm like, oh yeah, what happened to your other neon uh, owl or whatever. But uh Will, I really appreciate your time. I know the other fellows do too. And uh you know man, uh you're always welcome to come back on. And you know, I think we could have gone on for a while, but uh want to be mindful of your time. If you just want to just let the people know uh where to find you and your company and uh if there's anything you want to just mention before we uh, shut
3: it down for the day yeah no this was awesome uh thanks for having me best place uh to probably find me is actually on twitter um my handle's at maybe bullish uh and probably better than that um is just go to our website if you're interested in learning about any of the funds browntillinvestments.com besides that once again thank you guys for having me uh i'll see you guys uh in roblox or uh in Fortnite or one of those one of those places roger's smiling because he knows he's probably playing it right now <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh well Pete thank you dude. Raj. awesome
1: roger wow. will take us out here but uh yeah. thanks dude good talking to you bye guys thanks Pete.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen thank you again for listening to another edition of five dollar buzz if you have any questions ideas any uh future guests that we might have or you have uh, an idea for us please email us at f-i-v-e-d-o-l-l-a-r-b-u-z-z that's five dollar buzz at gmail.com and also remember to hit that like or that subscribe button on your YouTube or on your Apple or Spotify we love you thank you and have a wonderful day
0: thank you